0: right good morning church so let me start by saying i don't really like to brag a lot i mean a little bit i do but not a lot but uh that was my wife so just leave it right there yeah yeah thank you thank you very much hey so vacation bible school is such a massive deal please 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 don't get so caught up in this morning that you don't find a way to sign up we need every single one of you participating in what we do. It is sensational. The preschool ministry is sensational. The elementary is sensational. It's phenomenal stuff. So be a part of what God is doing. And so Romans chapter 5, if you don't have your Bibles, turn there, go ahead and turn there. We just read the scripture. And if you didn't pick up on it, let me give you two themes that are going to be, you need to know on the front side. The first one is this. The first one is we are it's really, really important that we understand that we are starting from the ground up here. So we are starting from Genesis 1-1, working our way all the way through the life of Jesus. And so this is a big snapshot picture. Another thing I really want you to understand and know is that as we read through this passage, it is, it is Paul's um, way he writes. And I, I love the fact there's some writings. Paul, one time in the scriptures, he's writing a letter. And he's like, I might be mad. I know I'm insane. I know I'm a madman. And so he just sort of rambles. Well, this isn't rambling, but it is a big wind-up. I was pulling into my neighborhood just last week, and there was a kid, a little kid, and a dad playing catch in the front yard. And I turned, and I saw this little boy, and I I didn't know how far he was going to throw. us. I was just sort of going slow, watching him. And you've seen this before. Every one of you has seen this before. The little kid was winding up. (laughs) (laughs) He had this little face going, and I'm driving, I'm driving, I keep going. I'm having to look backwards. He still hasn't thrown the ball yet because he's winding up. (laughs) Well, that's what happens here, is there is a massive long windup, but Paul does actually throw a pitch here and I want you to see it today. So let me pray over us and then let's get to work in the scripture. God, I thank you and I praise you for the reality that you give us this day. And it's on this day that we can understand that you have created a path. There is a a passage here that opens our eyes to what has been, what is, and even what will be. And so, God, I praise you that you open the scriptures to us. You give us the right, the privilege. And Lord, I most certainly praise you that you allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us, to speak through us. And so today, Lord, would you just teach us what this means for our life, this ancient letter that was written in Jesus' name, Everybody in the place said, amen, amen, amen. So, this letter is written by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Rome, and he's writing to Christians, saying this is what it means to be a Christian. This is writing to the church, all right? So let me pick up here, because verse chapter twelve, chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came in the world through one man. I'm just going to pause here. You're going to see a couple things. One man, you're going to see this one man, one, one, one. You're going to see this word one 11 times in the next few verses here. But it's saying, just as sin came into the world. Now we understand how sin came in the world. Really easy look, we go back to Genesis, there are two trees. In the garden, there's two trees. There's the tree of knowledge, which was knowledge of good and evil, which I would also bid you that through all of my study of scripture, I do not believe that we were supposed to know good and we certainly weren't supposed to know evil. We were supposed to simply know God. And that tree was good and evil. We were not supposed to know either one of those things. We were just supposed to know God. The other tree was the tree of life. And that tree of life, they could, Adam and Eve could have eaten as much of that as they wanted. And that means that their life is just, as much as they eat, the more they live. God gave them one command. Do not touch, do not eat of the tree of knowledge. Stay away from it. Don't touch it. They were obviously disobedient, but these two trees are massive force, and I need you to hold the thought. We hold the hot thought, two trees? Can you hold that for a few minutes? Sin came in the world because they grabbed off of the tree that they were not supposed to, and it says, and death through sin. Let me finish this, and I'll come back to that portion. So, death spread to all men because all had sinned. Now, what I want you to know is, I want you to understand that this idea of The sin that entered the world, do not touch the tree. I suppose that most of us in this room can relate to this. I I was in a store, my wife and I were in a store and I looked up and there was a wall and it said, wet paint, do not touch, wet paint, do not touch. Don't, you would do the same thing. You would do the exact same thing. You just want to know, is it really wet? How many of you have done that? Raise your hand. Yeah, you have. See, thank you for being honest at church this morning. And so there's this picture that we have to understand that there is this direct disobedience. Well, this direct disobedience that is here in the first portion of the scripture, we see now this death, this direct disobedience is passed on. It spreads to all of us. Just as our hair color, nah, some of you, our eye color, our genetics are passed down, so was sin. And the problem with this is it's deeper than just, oh, man, I'm going to make a couple mistakes in life. Oh, I'm going to fail here and there. No, 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 no. It's deeper than this. It's deeper than this. Because it says here, and death through sin. The way that we really understand this, and Paul's going to clarify some of the things he says here later on in the book of Romans. And so if we fast forward one chapter and we go to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says this to us. It gives us an understanding of what, what exactly that means. And it says, for the wages of sin is death. So what we earn through sin, we know what wages are, it's what you earn. What you earn through sin is death. Well, we didn't have a choice. We were born with sin. He says, "But the free gift of God is eternal life." So this life is a massive representation of what was taken from us. What we lost in Adam, what Paul is going to bid us to the rest of the scripture is we gain much, much more in Christ. So everything we lost through Adam, we gain, we obtain through Christ. Even life, the life that he could have grabbed a hold of that tree with, we gain that. Verse 13, he says this, he says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law. Now, this is this is pretty important before the law was given. That word law, there's, that's the word it's Torah. So before the Torah was given, there was sin in the world. Well, that we get that. Adam and Eve, there was no law, there was no Torah when they sinned. So sin existed. But what I think it's interesting here is it says, But sin is not counted where there is no law. So I had an idea when I first read this years ago, and I was thinking, well, why don't we just get rid of the law? But that didn't work either. I was in, uh, we flew into, uh, I don't remember where I flew into, I think UAE, maybe Dubai. but We flew in, we got in a car, and then we're driving to Oman. And we're driving, and the guy that's driving, we are going down the highway, and we are going so Fast. I've never been. It's so fast. You don't know when I say fast. You don't know what I mean. So fast. We're going so fast. I feel like I'm in like uh, like I don't. Know, I'm not really into Star Wars and stuff. But you know those scenes are, are Star Trek. You know the scenes where they go warp speed and the stars are just passing them. That's what I felt like. And I said, well, I said, hey, I'm just curious. Like, what is the speed limit? Because we're going so fast. And he said, oh, there is no speed. There's no speed limit. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? He goes, yeah, there's no speed limit. You just have to be careful. Because the camels come in because it's cooler and they want to lay down on the highway because they want the heat off the highway. So you just got to watch the camels, but there's no speed limit. It felt so wrong to me. And I like to go fast, but we were going so fast. But my internal, there was something wired in me that knew that I was going against, like, this isn't right. This isn't right. And so even before the law, Torah existed, sin existed. And what he's saying is there was also an awareness of sin. And when he goes on and he says in this moment where he says, but sin is not counted where where there is no law. What he's actually saying here, just so you understand this, is the law made us aware of how far we had fallen from God. The law made us aware of how distant we were from our original plan of who we are supposed to be. Keep going to verse 14. He says in verse 14, he says, Yet death, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. So even though the law didn't exist, sin did. And the wages of sin is death. And he's saying, so from Adam, original sin, to Moses, which wrote Torah, even, I mean, this is crazy. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. What does that mean? Because even those who weren't sinning like Adam, well, Adam's sin, was direct disobedience. We're gonna see this word very clearly articulated here. It was direct disobedience. From Adam to Moses, there was a lot of sin that took place, but it wasn't direct disobedience because there was no law. They were not made aware of what what they were or were not supposed to do. Even though in our inner being, there's a conscience that exists that tells us right and wrong, I understand this, but there has to be a grid. And what's fascinating to me is that grid for us, for our world, for all of civilization today, that grid is God's word. I oftentimes laugh and I sort of chuckle when people want to have a, a moral standard, yet there is no higher standard. It's like, you can't have a moral standard unless you have a, a word, a moral word. And so there is no reason for us to say, you, know, you can't kill someone, well, why not? Why, why can't I kill someone? We say, because it's wrong, well, what makes it wrong? There had to be a standard that was set. What is that standard? Well, it was the scripture, it was God's heart, it was God's word. We could take that all the way through every moral collapse that we see in society, it goes against God's word, yet we only wanna hold up God's word, his moral standards when it's fitting to us or when it can justify us. But he says, "Any rate, let me keep going. He says, sin was not like the transgression of Adam. So in other words, he's saying they didn't know, and so there was no result. I had a—this um, is years ago. I have, a, I have a friend. Many of you guys know uh, the Garcia family. There's, there's a bunch of them here. But Nathan Garcia um, grew up in our church, went to A&M, graduated from—went to graduate school at Yale. Yale, like do you know any other Yale graduates? No, I didn't think so. And so graduated from Yale as an architect. And so Nathan played soccer. And if you know Nathan's mom, which I don't know if you do or not, but she's, um, I don't ever tell her I said this, but she's a very, very sweet lady. And she raised a sweet boy and he was playing soccer. And I was talking to him like, hey, so have you ever gotten you know, kicked out of a game, yellow card, red card? He's goes, nah. I'm like, well, So he goes, nah, not. and I like, oh, man, you, got, you, you need to mix it up. I mean, like, like and so we went outside and we started talking. I'm like, honestly, like, like if the ref doesn't see it, it's not a foul. And so if it's not seen, it's, it's okay. And so we talked for a little bit. And He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not kidding you. In fact, I, he's sitting right over here. The first game back after our conversation, did you get kicked out of the Did you get red carded, just yellow carded? He got a yellow, He got yellow carded. And his mom blamed me blamed me as if I were at fault for his transgression. (laughs) But I do think it's funny because what he's saying here is if there is no record, no recording, no, no command, then is there actually, if the ref doesn't see it, is it actually a foul? And what Paul is saying is absolutely. There was sin, even though there was no Torah, no law, there was still sin because Adam Passed that on. No one missed this virus. No one. And he says, who was a type of man who was to come. Who is the type? He's saying, Adam was the type of man who was to come. I'm going to explain this. Paul's going to explain this. But let me just let this flush itself out just a little bit more. And then I'll come back to this point. It says in verse 15, it says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have been have the grace of God and the gift, free gift, by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded in many. Okay, so I want to deal with two things, and I'm going to do it in the next verse. Trespass. I want to deal with the word trespass, and I want to deal with gift. So those are the two words I want to deal with, because he's just said, look, there was sin, Adam Adam sinned. He brought that sin down. He passed it in. It was even there before the Torah was there. So you need to understand that something had to be done. And so this trespass, Adam's it was direct disobedience, but there's still this gift. Watch what he says in the next verse, verse 16, and I'll do a little bit of work on this for you. He says, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's Actually, did I miss 15? No, I read 15. Okay. I don't know where I went. I went somewhere. (laughs) And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. So he's doing, there is a contrast that's taking place here. This trespass is a big word. This free gift is also a big word. But this word trespass is important for us to understand because this word actually at its root is it's the deviation from or the departing from God's will or from God's plan or from God's command and so what we see here is Paul is saying Adam departed from God's plan from his command he began to do his own thing and from that many meaning all all are going to face the condemnation of sin but there's going to be many there's going to be many who are going to understand that they were condemned because of that sin that existed in them and they're going to understand that there is a gift something that's going to allow them to be at peace and at one with God and remember he's writing to an early church who hasn't grown up in church meaning like this they don't have the scriptures that we have and so they're take, they're taking this and going explain to me exactly what it means that he deviated from God's plan. And then what, what is this gift? And so what we have to really understand in this picture in verse 16 is he's saying, look, you are going to be declared right Declared right because of a gift, not because of the actions, not because of the condemnation, not because someone is condemned, but because of the one man who is Christ, you are going to be, this is the word, declared right. Now I want to take this into the next verse. But before I do, I want to take this gift, I want to open this gift up so that both of them will collide. How are we going to be declared right if we know that we have sinned and that sin was passed to us there's a free gift that's just looming, and it seems like in this portion of the letter it just came out of nowhere, because they've been talking about a gift, but he did, he did. In Romans chapter 1, verse 11, he says, "'For I long to see you that I may impart to you "'some spiritual gift.'" This is not spiritual gifts. These aren't the gifts we know in the scriptures. These aren't the, these aren't spiritual, these aren't the fruit of the spirit either. This is the spiritual gift. This is a gift that's gonna strengthen you. In other words, he's like, I wanna impart to you a truth. And this truth is going to change your life. It's not gonna just change your life, it's gonna change your eternity. That's how he started the letter. And so he's saying, look, you have to understand in the big picture that you have been born with, you have inherited sin, and that sin has brought condemnation upon you. And there is now a gift that is imparted to you by one man who is Christ Jesus, that now you can actually be declared right. Even though you've sinned, you can be declared right. So as Paul is walking them through this portion, I think it's important, it's very important for the next verse to make everything begin to click because this is in verse 17. He's saying, for if, now in case you don't know this, I'm gonna make it, I'm not even gonna use like um, proper English terms. He is proposing something here this little introduction for if would be another way of saying hey what if what if you've had that question asked hey what if and then just fill in the blank well that's what this for if is he says what if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that man that means because one person deviated from god's plan which was adam in the garden That death was passed down from person to person to person to person. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man who is Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. So it's like, look, look, one man brought death. The other brings life. He's saying, what if? This is what I love about what Paul's done here is he's set this up in a way, and I know he's kind of had this big windup and it seems very repetitive, but he set this up to say, look, Adam has sinned. You've got to be covered. That sin's been passed to you and there's only one way. It's a gift. It's a free gift. You do nothing for it. It's a free gift, but you have a choice. And so what Paul has just done in verse 17, he's like, like what if you actually believed? What if we took the Torah in its totality what if we expanded out in all the teachings? And what if we watched the life, and this is Paul speaking, not me, and we watched the life of Jesus? We let all of it play out. What if we watched all of it play out? Would it absolutely, would it possibly, could it maybe be you have a choice? Because that's what Paul has just showed us. And that's what Paul has just said, and that's what he's gonna continue to say is, you have a choice. The same choice that Adam had in the garden between tree of knowledge of good and evil or life. You can either have all this knowledge or you can have life. You can have whatever or you can have life. It's the same choice that Paul is actually posing here to the church in Rome. And so it's me and you sit here and we read this passage of Scripture. What he has just said, he says, look, if sin is death, and that came through Adam but there's a gift of life and it comes through Christ. Do you want death or do you want life? Well, when you say it like that, but this choice is actually defined almost deeper for us. And what I'm gonna have to do in a moment is I'm gonna read a verse And then I've got to pull us back, and I want us to take a big look at Scripture in order that we can understand the depth and the level of what Paul is actually saying at another level. So the next verse, it says this. I want you to take this in. Verse 18, it says, Therefore, as one trespass, that means one deviation, one departing from God's word, God's law, God's command, Therefore, as one departed from what God said, it led to the condemnation for all men. So, one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all men. So he's saying, "Look, here's the thing: this condemnation for all, this condemnation for all men, death, came through Adam. Again, I know this is repetitive. This righteousness leads to justification. That means you're declared right. But look what the gift is. Just to be clear, I want you to see the, the gift." This is the gift. The gift is life. It's not just life, by the way. You're going to see the big wind-up. You're going to see the picture in a minute. But life. So he's counterbalancing these two things. But what I think that you and I miss oftentimes is we miss what it means for this life. We miss what it means for our sin to be covered. We miss what it means for our sacrifice to have been made. I think we miss this because of the way that we culturally inherited Church. The way we've inherited the way we walk through life, I think we miss what God actually has intended, and in, even in the scriptures at times. Adam versus Jesus, it's sin and death versus Jesus and life. And I think that there's this, there's this picture I want to paint for you. So we're going to pull back. You guys, can you clear your minds? Extra sketch moment here. So in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, once they sinned, they were, uh, they were struck with fear. And not just struck with fear, but they're standing in the garden, and for the first time they recognize they're naked. It's like, whoa. Oh. Very uncomfortable for them, because shame had entered their life. And so they chose to go find fig leaves. They cut these fig leaves off, and they take these fig leaves, and they sow these fig leaves, and they cover up their privacy parts. Fig leaves are, I don't know if you know anything about a fig leaf. You know what happens when leaves dry out? I don't think they were comfortable. Verse seven, then, the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they covered oh, that's it, their privacy area so that wasn't comfortable and nor did it cover what really needed to be covered their shame had been covered, but their sin had not and so in Genesis chapter three verse twenty one it says the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them so the first picture we see and I want you to get this is when Adam and Eve sinned they both got skins so it was a skin per person. So each one of them had a skin. Well, that skin came from an animal. That sin came from a sacrifice. This set up a system that God is going to utilize through the rest of scripture, through the rest of history. And the picture that I want you to understand is one skin for the man, one skin for the woman. Leviticus 17, says, For there is life of the flesh and is in the blood, and I have given it to you for on the altar to make an atonement for your souls. It's like, look, this is the reason the animals are here. This is what the blood exists for. It is to make atonement for you. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 9, go to the New Testament, 9.22, it actually says to us, it says, Indeed, under the law, everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So this was a sacrificial system that God had established, that God had put together. Now I'm going to pull you back, and I'm I'm not going to go too deep into all the details, but I want you to see the picture. So when Adam and Eve sinned, there was one skin per person. And as you fast forward in the scripture, God established a celebration, a moment, through Torah. that was actually called Passover. And at Passover, they would take one skin, one animal, and that one animal would cover a family. So rather than having one skin per person, it was one skin per family. Well, as Torah continued to establish itself, and as the nation of Israel continued to grow and expand, God actually introduced them and talked them through in the Torah Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, we know what this is. This is one skin, one sacrifice, covered an entire nation. So look at the progression. The progression in the Bible, the progression over how sin is atoned for went, one skin per person, and then it morphed into one skin per family, then it was one skin per nation. And then Jesus is walking down the road, and as he's walking down the road, a man by the name of John, we know him as John the Baptist. In John chapter one, verse 21, verse 29, it says, "The next day, John, he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, he screamed, "Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the family, the nation." The world. And so when John proclaimed this, it would have been like, what is he talking about? There's no covering for the world. There's a skin for a person. There's a skin for a family. There's a skin for a nation. But a skin for the whole world? This is the beautiful part of understanding the totality of the scripture. So when we pull back, we can see God's plan orchestrated. Now I'm going to zoom back in because it says in verse 19, Chapter 5, verse 19, it says, For by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That's us. So by one man's obedience, many will be made right, upright with God. So what Adam brought, devastating. What Jesus brought, life. Life. Okay, verse 20. Now the law came to increase the trespass. Now, you understand what that means, right? It means to make us aware. The law came to make us aware. But where sin increased, so because we understood sin more, and we could see sin more. In fact, it's funny. I have people say to me today, man, it's so bad. It's never been this bad in history before. I think it's been way worse at times in history. I would just go back to World War II. (laughs) <laughs> Tell a Jewish family, hey, it's going to get worse. Like, what? It's been, more, it's been bad. It's been bad. But we have social media, we have the media, we have all the things that just bring everything to the surface and it's right in front of us. Imagine what God has seen through the course of history as he's looked down on his people. Imagine everything that he's seen. I don't think he's up there going, golly, now... Finally, what, what are they doing? What I don't understand what they're doing. I never know what they're doing. I just don't get it. When I mean, you go back to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, God's saying, hey, men don't dress like women. Women don't dress like men. That's in the Torah. It's thousands of years ago. And so when I began to... Fast forward in my own head, I begin to process what's taking place here. It's like that grace may abound even more. So he's like, Look, he's showing us that yes, Adam departed from God's love, from God's goodness, from God's plan, but what Adam stole, what Adam, what was lost in Adam, Jesus has brought back. And not just brought back, but he's brought back even more. Because it's not just life that's offered, it's life everlasting that's offered. It's not just, Man, you're going to have a few extra days now. If you if you walk with Jesus, you're going to have a few, It's going to extend your life on earth. No, no, no. It is eternal promise. And so you have in verse twenty, he says, "And grace abound all the more." This grace is going to abound all the more. This means every sin that's ever been created, every sin that will ever be committed, every sin that you have walked in, every sin, every time you have smacked God in the face, every time you've turned your back on God. Jesus still, his grace abounds even more. I, I thought once when I was years ago, I was in a conversation with a guy and we were talking about Adam sinning. And like, golly, I wish someone would have been there just to slap him around. Like, what are you doing? Like, what an idiot. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have a word. But the reality is, is, it doesn't matter which one of us that would have been. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I find myself looking at this going, every one of us have sinned. And so the grace that abounds all the more, you know, people, a lot of people will point this out and they'll say, are you showing grace as a believer? I don't think this is what this is saying. I want to show grace to people. I want to show mercy to people. You should show grace to people. You should show mercy to people. But that's not what this is pointing us towards. In fact, most of the time in the scripture, when it's talking about this grace that's gonna flow, it is for you because you have sinned against God because you are the one, it is your soul that is going to be eternally separated from God if it's not for Christ. And so Paul has just got this massive wind up and he's like, I need you to make a choice. Is the sin of the past going to loom over you? I hear people talk about, I want my kids to break the generational curse. I don't want them to be like their dad. I don't want her to be like her mom. I want them to break a generational curse. There is no breaking of the generational curse of sin. It is here forever. Until Jesus returns, sin is here. The only way that we break this curse is by stepping back and saying, it's all yours, Jesus. And what Paul has just done is he says, here's your choice. You can live separated, deviated, just just divided, departed from God's plan for your life, and then your life will end and you will be eternally separated from God. Or the grace that abounds is that you can be declared right by God. You can be declared, not just right, but as if you never did wrong. And that's found only in Christ. It's not found in your deeds. It's not found in how good you are. It is found only in Jesus. And so this massive windup that Paul has had, he's gonna now release the ball in verse 21, and he says, so that as sin reigned in death, He's like, so sin, death, that they are hand in hand. Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to, what does it say? Eternal life. Eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Adam had a choice. Tree of knowledge, tree of life. As long as he ate of that tree of life, his, he would have extended. Like, I don't know what that would have looked like. We don't know. But I know what it was set up for. It was set up for, all of his life communing and walking with God no break but because of sin there was this break and the only way that any of us get past this break is through Christ and it is in Christ that we actually have the privilege the choice which tree the tree of this world that leads to death First John two seventeen says the world and its desires will pass away. You know that, right? Everything you want right now, everything you desire right now, everything you think is so important right now, it's going to go away. But the gift of God is everlasting. And so for us to understand what Paul has just told the church in Rome, he's like, guys, look, you have to know this. You have to know that the reality is, is you have a choice. And that choice is you can grab from the things of this world, or you can grab from the tree of life, which is Christ Jesus, and you will have life, not just life, but everlasting life. I believe that in this room, what's taken place for so many of us is we have lost ourselves in the world so so entrenched in the things of this world so captivated by the things of this world, so intrigued by the things of this world, that we have lost what it means to just simply grab a hold of the goodness of God. And I fear for men and women, my brothers and sisters, those of you that I have the privilege to shepherd and pastor, as Paul is writing this letter, he's like, you have a choice. And I want to tell you guys today, you have a choice. And that choice is the world or Christ you have a choice and I know many of you are going to walk out of here and you're going to get into your car and you're going to go to lunch and you're going to start your week and you're going to have the same week last week that you had this week that you had last week and I understand that I feel foolish in fact I told somebody this last week I feel foolish Someone says, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. What do you do? What do you do? I feel foolish. Because in my mind, you know what I say to myself, what I say? I spend my life trying to convince people that God loves them. What kind of an idiot produces his life and says, look. It's my responsibility to convince people that God exists. God is real, that God loves them. If you don't know that by just evaluating your life and looking around, there is nothing I'm going to say. But the hope is that as I prompt your heart, as I probe into your life, that the Spirit of God will come and tap on your shoulder. In fact, the Bible says this. It says that no man can be saved unless the Spirit of God draws him. And so the reason I attempt to convince people that God loves them is because I want the Holy Spirit of God to tap their heart. And I believe that right now, in this moment, in this room, God is tapping some of your heart, some of your shoulders right now. Because you know that you know about him, but you don't know him. And it's evident by the way you live your life. It's evident by the consequences that you suffer day in, day out. And so I'm pleading with you in this moment to listen to Paul. Paul said, you have a choice. Your choice is very simple. You can either... Grab a hold of this world and eat all you want, and it leads to death. Or you can grab a hold of Christ, and you can have not just life, but everlasting life. He changes us. And so I don't have to elaborate, I don't have to carry on. But what I want you to know is in this room, if your heart is being tapped on right now, it's not me, it's not dinner last night, it is the Holy Spirit of God saying, He's right. That weird dude up there is right. Your soul is lost, and today is your day to be redeemed. And if that's you, if that's you right now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to pray this. I want you to say, God, I do not have all the answers. The only facts I know is that I have sinned against you, and that there is literal death as a consequence. There is eternal separation as consequence. And so, God, in this room, right here, right where I said, I proclaim and I profess to you that I know I've sinned and I know the consequences of that sin. And so, Lord, I am turning my eyes to you. I'm turning my heart to you. And I am saying to you today that I give you my life. I commit my heart to you. I am proclaiming you as my Savior. I want you to pray the words right where you said If you've never accepted Christ, say, Lord God, today I receive your Son as the gift of life. Now I pray that you would change me from the inside out. Inside out. And if you just prayed the heads about, if you just prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. But I wanna tell you that the pathway forward for your life today is you know that there is a repentance of sin, there's a repentance that takes place, there's a proclamation of His goodness that takes place. But what I don't want you to do, heads about eyes closed, what I don't want you to do, is I don't want you to doubt your salvation. When you confess Christ, you are His. It is a confession in your heart and you are His. Never to be let go of, never to be sent off, never to be condemned, You are his, you are his, you're his. God, I thank you for the men and women in this room that are striving to follow you. I thank you for those who recognize that this world offers nothing but death but you offer life not just life but life everlasting and so God I praise you for the men and women who are striving after you and Lord for those who proclaim today that they desire to walk with you I ask Lord that the tug of their heart that response today that they would know and be affirmed that they are yours forever and so I praise you today that you're a God who hears us but God I specifically thank you that you're a God that speaks thank you for speaking to us today Jesus, holy and precious name, every body in the house said, Amen.